Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Hello. Hi, darling. Mm. Okay, I'm just going to put my... Good morning. How are you? Grace, I must admit this episode is late because I've been up a mountain in Spain on a retreat, on a holistic... Yeah. Yeah, I've been filling my soul. So if I'm honest mm. with you, and, and, and Twitter mm. has gone off, but uh, you're not doing the final episode. I've been, I've been coming each week for your wisdom, people have been saying. I say that with my tongue mm. firmly in my cheek as I learned to do on the meditation retreat. It's very useful to kind of open the whole mouth and get the breathing space opening. Um, but... And I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Um, I, I am doing it. It's just a bit late. So I'm delighted, first of all, Grace, to tell you there's a demand for this show and people, some people will be listening. Good, good. Fi- finally, a demand for something I'm doing. <laughs> I found uh, my, my target demographic after all these years. Grace, I think you should consider a and just like that song. Because mm. I think people are, you know, there there are people. A song. I think there's an opera in it. There's a musical in it. Yeah. I mean, there are you know? literally single figures of people on Twitter saying, where's the episode? <laughs> and so I just, I'm just suggesting if you, have you thought about doing Carrie Bradshaw the musical? And oh, I think many you times. Pay the title many times. Um, yeah, many. Well, <laughs> and just like that. <laughs> My career changed. <laughs> the Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist Watchers and just like that, the Sex of the City Rehill with me, 
Deborah Francis Point and my very special guest, Grace Petrie. Episode 10, Seeing the Light. So um, if you're listening at home, can I just say, or anywhere you are in the park, um, in, in, a, in a submarine, if you're listening... Uh, we're sorry we haven't got this out sooner, but it's because I've been getting whole upper mountain, and I'll I'll admit to you, Grace, it, if after the after the uh, the fullness of experience I've had, this feels I'm going to put it out there a little trivial because I've been dealing mm. with the, you know the universe, the big questions of life. Yeah, <laughs> well, you've been going upper mountain, filling your soul. And I have been cramming watching this show in preparation for doing this. So I feel very much like I've been emptying my soul <laughs> of pretty much all substance. Have you binged? So, um, have you binged? Yeah, I mean, I tried. I'm I not tried. sure it's meant to be binged. I think it's like eating a whole well, birthday I, cake. So I have been Im- immensely busy over the last few months. And I haven't listened to any of these po- this series because I haven't watched any of the show yet. Nobody so I was going to sort of get around to it. No one wants to hear I know. excuses. So yesterday I was like, oh, okay, there's 10 episodes, I'll do the whole thing. Well, I was not prepared whatsoever for the bereavement that was coming in the first episode. What? And my girlfriend... Ki- you hadn't heard yeah. any spoilers? You hadn't heard any jokes about Big dying in a Peloton? Dude, I had heard... Right, I'd heard the opposite of spoilers, right? I, I feel actually quite like annoyed about this because obviously... Dreadful allegations came out about Chris North, right? And then in the in all of the surrounding like response to that, this the show was like, and just like that announced, Chris North will not be featured in series two because of these allegations. So when he started having a heart attack, I was like, well, there's no way he's gonna die because they I already read two months ago that they announced that he wasn't coming back in series two. So I was completely unprepared. I was completely unprepared. And like, it, I remember like there was all this buzz around the Peloton. The two things I remember when it came out, when it aired on Twitter, there was a load of stuff about Carrie asking Big to masturbate and how grim it was. And then loads of people saying shares in Peloton have gone through the floor after this episode. So you thought he like wanked that. on a Peloton? So I thought he wanked on the Peloton. <laughs> That's like what I had sort of... In my mind, I'd like amalgamated the two stories, and I was like, "So," and then, and it really looked like it was when you watch it through that lens, it looked like it was going that way because he was going on about how hot the instructor was, and I was like, "Oh, I see what's going to happen. She's going to start the class going. He's going to start wanking. I guess we'll all have a laugh." And then instead, my girlfriend came downstairs and like came in and found me literally like racked with sobs, surrounded by tissues, like crying my heart out over the fictional death of a character I hated, played by a man who by all accounts is terrible. So, you know, <laughs> I well, the never... things we do for art. This is the greatest episode of this or any Sex and the City based and just like that based <laughs> podcast. I cannot believe what has happened. Neither can I. And we'll how listen. do you how do you how how do you feel about his death? Um, honestly, I'm sure you've gone over this on previous episodes, but yeah, to, for the for the minority of listeners who've done what I did, which is watch the first two and then the last one, and have a lot of questions in between. Look, I'm absolutely sure if he died at the end of the ser- the original series when I was very invested mm. in it, 
I would have cried for sure. But I think the movies, the taint of the movies, and then coming back Mm. into it, I didn't cry, no. (laughs) (laughs) Are we leaving there? (laughs) Yeah, I think I, I, I'm moved that you cried. And I see why, if you were so blindsided, because you were expecting a comic jerk-off scene. And in fact, what you got was the death of a character you'd invested many years of your life in. And well, I, I hated Big. I, By the way, I always hated Big. Like, I hated Big the first time around. Yeah. Well, I was, I, I was like, not rooting for Carrie and Big to get together at the, at the like, end of series six. I think I'm, like, the only person who wasn't. I, I, oh, no, I wasn't rooting for them to get back together. Mm. I wanted her to get back together with New York. I wanted it to be about this yeah. independent woman who told the Russian to fuck off. And when yeah. Big came going, I mean, he didn't do enough at the end of the uh, no. SATC for me. He just came and said... Carrie, you're the one. Yeah. And yes, that's what she'd asked him to say in season one. But there was no, I've put you through hell and I know you're not going to believe me, but give, I me, know. give me another chance. It was just, and then they were just kind of laughing. That was, that was kind of it. And she just sort of accepted him back. And I felt he'd been so, um, he'd played with her heart so many times. He'd been so such a destructive force in her life. And he was never... Very nice to her. Never, ever. Like, he'd say things like, you look like a million bucks, Bradshaw, but he wasn't like, we never really saw what the tenderness between them. So I, I although no. I absolutely understand that magnetic pull back to a toxic person who you have a great sexual chemistry with, and it's so relatable, and I, and I love that that was depicted. I wasn't invested in them getting back together. I, w- I wanted her to tell them both to fuck off and come back to New York. And marry, do you know what I mean? Like be be open to well, still for open me, to love. Yeah, I mean, I think, because I was a massive fan of the show, which surprises a lot of people, um, knowing what they know about me. But I'm not that into like high concept drama. Like I'm, I can take or leave, like obviously like succession, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's mad into it at the moment. But like, I think normal relationships between like what are supposed to be pretty naturalistic human beings who aren't living like totally unattainable lives obviously like they live in new york and carrie bradshaw manages to have a fucking gorgeous apartment in new york on the basis of one weekly column and blah 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 but like generally like apart from all obviously all of the expense of their life generally you're supposed to sort of find them pretty relatable people aren't you yeah um and there are times and for me she struggles with money or you know yeah sure and i think um sure and i think um the, the, for me, like, because I was talking to my girlfriend about this because she never watched it. She was like, oh, did you like Sex and City? I'm quite surprised by that. And for me, it was always about the relationship between the four of them. Um, like, that's the that's the love for me. That's the, is the love between the four women. And, like, I, I the four friends in the original series. Um, and when you... I, I agree with you. I kind of wanted... I wanted the end of the original show to be... She falls back in love with New York, absolutely, but she comes back to those people who are her, you know, ride or dies. They're like her, her chosen family and like the real, because we, we all, through six series, they weather various storms of different men and different women and different whatever and different jobs and like, you know, hard times or whatever. Um, but uh they're the constant, aren't they? They have this love that they have for each other. And I love the way that they depict 
them falling out and like at, at various stages across the series, they all have, you know, some really meaningful arguments and, and hurt goes on between each other. But like they come back to each other because they're the constant foundation. And I, I always thought that was the heart and soul of the show. And it was a little bit like I, I love the the way that it ends when she comes back to New York. And there's this fantastic, like obviously one of her fantastic classic Karen monologues where she's like, you know, the most challenging relationship you'll ever have with yourself, which is, you know, lovely. That's, I think, I think that's, that's what we're saying, isn't it? That's what it should have been. But they kind of made it all about like, Karen Big R, fucking Ross and Rachel are Danny and Sandy are like Dawson and Joey. Like, I, and for me, it was never really about that. It was about the four of them. Your cultural references are not what anyone would expect. <laughs> Dawson and Joey. Dawson, I mean, that's actually a false, uh, that's a false, because Dawson and Joey never end up together. Spoiler alert for anybody still making their way through Dawson's Creek, a TV show that premiered in 1996. I'm starting to really unpack your song, Nobody Knows I'm a Fraud Now. <laughs> Listen, I contain multitudes. Uh, you really do. You contain surprisingly heteronormative multitudes, and I'm loving it. Mm. I'm really loving it. I'm delighted by it. Do you know what I wish? I wish there were queer normative shows that everybody felt as excited by because there was such a variety of shows on the television. Um, Me fucking too, mate. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. Wouldn't it be lovely? I mean, we've got feel good now, to be fair. We've got feel good and everybody knows how yeah. fantastic feel good is. But for a long time, we were staggering around here in the wilderness of the L word. You yeah. know, just trying to make the L word happen just on the strength of, of lesbian energy. Just constantly telling people it was good when we knew it wasn't. I mean, if the strength you of know? lesbian energy worked, the world would be a very different place. Now, I'm not saying it never works. I'm saying it hasn't <laughs> substantially shifted the tidal mm. wave that, uh, that that it should have. Uh, cut mm -hmm. that out, Tom. Don't say it. I don't want complaints. Um, like, how low is the energy isn't good enough um, for you? Uh, I don't want that. I don't want that in my inbox. It's a joke. I'm really mm. starting to relate to Jimmy Carr. Can't say anything anymore. <laughs> can't say I'm anything censoring. anymore. You can't do a little bit of Holocaust denial. You, it, you know? I prefer it wasn't denial. You can't do a little bit of targeted, targeted hatred was, of an incredibly marginalised community. It wasn't Holocaust denial. It was Holocaust endorsement. It's, That's true. Much, Holocaust endorsement. Much, yeah, yeah. A much less rare yeah. crime. Mm. Uh, but That's true. That is it true. Is hate, it is. It is. I. I. I know it's not intended as hate speech. The whole point is it's intended to be the most offensive, shocking thing you could say, and that's the idea of the joke. But it's hard to see how, if it were hate speech, it could sound any different. Now, let's do a wrap up um, of what happened this week. So this week. You know, just like that, the final episode of season one. Carrie attempts to date, but is haunted by the poltergeist of Dead Big, who sends her inscrutable Morse code messages through a reading lamp. She can only release her fidelity to her dead husband when she releases his ashes in a couture gown that would look more at home at the Met Ball than on a grieving wife illegally tossing ashes into the same. <laughs> After that, she's free to have a wild snog in an elevator with her dishy producer, who's been lurking in the shadows all series. We saw him there. We saw him. Miranda is invited to California in a strangely manipulative way by Chay Diaz, who then announces themselves to be a fucking narcissist. Miranda agrees to go anyway and abandon her human rights watch internship, about which she seems strangely unconflicted given she gave up her well-paid job to do human rights law. 
Charlotte insists her non-binary teenager Rock has a they mitzvah, but Rock refuses to play ball by not learning their frigging lines, as Anthony refers to a sacred portion of the Torah. Charlotte ignores the trans rabbi who tells her that Rock is completely unprepared and spends at least 10 grand on a party it's clear they don't want. When Rock declares that they don't identify as Jewish gendered or most shocking of all, even a New Yorker, Charlotte decides to step in and be they mitzvahed herself. Minor characters, Jackie gets married, Seema gets laid, Nima gets the same plot she gets every week, and LTW gets a guest spot at the they mitzvah. There are too many secondary characters, so none of them really get anything to do. So that's what happened in this week's And Just Like That. So yeah, I, right, I have some questions, right? Can I ask you some questions? (laughs) We okay. all have some questions, Chris. Because uh, oh, as, I, as I said please yesterday, God. my intention was to binge the entire thing. I watched episode one, Big Died. I watched episode two, Big's Funeral. And I was emotionally not in a in a strong enough place to continue binging the whole series. So I've, I've watched episode one, two, and ten, right? Okay, so you don't know what happened. So I've got to fill you in on the series. Yeah, this is my question. Right, can I, can I guess? Yes. Here are some things that I guessed were going to happen over the course of the series, right? Yes. Has Miranda identified a drinking problem and stopped drinking? Yes. Oh, obviously. Okay. Uh, I knew Miranda was going to get with uh, Shay Diaz. Shay Diaz, Obviously, yeah. uh, Shay Diaz. I mean, that was pretty obvious from the first moment. Yeah, they weren't such um, a And Ca- Carrie like, is back in the original apartment. So what what happened? She's what happened to the penthouse? Did she was she spooked? She didn't want to live there anymore. Yeah, I mean, ironically, the ghost of Biggs followed her home now. But uh, she just mm-hmm. felt empty without him. I guess they'd shared that space, and it was just sad. And she just thought, "I've got to get out of here." Uh, she met an estate agent called Seema, who showed around some fabulous pads. She bought a new fabulous pad, moved in, thought it wasn't for her, and just thought. I'm happy at my old place. What am I doing? And just wanted to be in her cozy old place, but kept the friendship with the estate agent, uh, Seema, who you saw having a shagathon in the final episode. So, yeah, this woman, I was like, who the fuck is this now? And like, <laughs> that, that was the worst. I was like, in the, in the episodes I've missed, Carrie's made friends with like the worst person in the whole world. Who? Does she have Does she have any redeeming qualities other than answering the phone while she's like in the middle of having sex and oh, then just continuing but not, not not disconnecting the phone call before the sex has even commenced i'm not a prude deb right but i just think you know let's if just I'm ever be getting it on, do you know i should I mean? take your call i should just yeah let it ring not even right permission granted for if i become sadly bereaved in a non-masturbatory peloton related accident and then when months later i managed to go on a on a first date if i call you and you're in the middle of having sex that's not a that's not a pick up this is an emergency situation that can wait until the morning or you know? or here's a thought pause the sex and say to your partner shh i've got to take this this is a friend in need so let's pretend yeah. we're not having sex right now, or even let's stop having sex. Um, or even let's stop. Strange I mean, we've been at happen. it for three days. We could probably afford a break. Mm. Why don't you have a shower? I'll, t- I'll talk to my friend, and then we can start up the nookie, but I'm definitely hung up and checked three times yeah. this is hung up. Um, now, yeah. Seema has not been, and I think I need to defend Seema here, the worst person in the world. She has been a really good friend to Karen. She's been lovely. 
I agree with what you're saying. This was indiscreet. If somebody is desperately trying to get back on the horse, back on the peloton, as it were. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and is desperately trying to get out, morph from grieving into active uh, loving and sexing, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. probably don't while you're having uh, a three-day ride in the hay uh, just let them hear your orgasmic noises. However, Seema, for the whole of the season, since she entered it, I think in episode three, has been trying to find love and jealous of Carrie, who has found love and feels it's better to have loved and lost because she's never had a big love. So I see. Just, just last episode, she got with this guy. And so she's been loved and start sex starved for a long time. So I think Carrie I can be happy for her. So I think we need to take back that Seema is the worst person in the world. She's really not. Well, sure. I Maybe she just needs to do some scheduling work, you know. She just needs to have a, a time blocked out in her diary for the caviar and the sex. And I, then time I, I, blocked I do, out for, I do for, for phone calls with friends. That. You know, they're not things. They're not things that mix. No, you know? and listen, noted. And listen, any Grace Petrie friends or fans out there listening, if Grace ever calls you, as excited as you are to receive her call, <laughs> if you are in the middle of a sexual act, any sort of intercourse or outer course, Grace would like you to call her back. Outer course. I, I Gosh, well, I, is that a I word? Just, I just made it up for you because I felt like, oh, I'm right. being heteronormative by saying intercourse, and I just went. <laughs> I thought, you know, it could be out of course. Out of course. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That makes me think of like a palate cleanser. You know, you have a fish course, you have an outer course. <laughs> We're well, talking about a champagne sorbet here. I mean, <laughs> if you've had your fish course. <laughs> I I mean, you, you I've may, always had my fish course. Yeah, I mean, Maybe may, it's time for some outer course. That's what I'm saying. You may need a palate cleanser. You may. You may. Um, yeah. So, yes, everything you've thought would happen would happen. Rock is non-binary. Miranda's fallen for Che Diaz. We need to many internet memes because Che Diaz does a stand-up comedy special with no jokes in it. It's just a sort of rabble-rousing TED talk. Oh, queer people. They've been quite an in-your-face character, uh, like turning up at the hospital as Carrie's... I mean, Carrie calls them uh, her boss... But Che Diaz really hosts the podcast that Carrie is a regular guest on. Um, and Che turns up at the hospital when ha- Carrie's having a hip operation. You missed so much, Grace. Um, a hip operation? Yes. Fuck me. I know. Jesus Christ. I know. They're, they're really, they're really dri- driving the point home, aren't they? Like, <laughs> how old are they meant to be? A hip operation? Well, Do me a favour. I know. But they said it was a congenital thing. So that okay. it's, it's not an old lady thing. But then why is it happening? Anyway, um, Shady has turns up at the hospital and Carrie's like, no, I don't want to see anyone. Like, she needs help getting to the loo. So Miranda heads Che off at the pass and ends up, and this is the most famous scene, and if you've heard bits about it, you may have the impression that Miranda masturbated into a Diet Snapple bottle. However, what really happened, mm-hmm. Grace, mm-hmm. is that while Carrie was in bed needing help to go to the loo and it was Miranda's shift to help nurse her, Che Diaz came around, again, slightly strangely inserting themselves into a colleague's life by just turning up at the door. Miranda had 
an extreme sexual experience with them up against Carrie's kitchen counter. And Carrie could see it, uh, I think, through the wardrobe off a mirror or something. And was trying at first to let Miranda know she was there and then just stopped. But she couldn't get to the loo, so she had to pee in a Diet Snapple bottle. And they had a fight about it because Carrie was like, what are you doing? You're married. And she said, well, it was the best experience of my life. I don't care. I am sorry I did it in your kitchen while I was meant to be helping you to the loo. And you've now tipped a bottle of pee over all your sheets. That bit I am sorry for. I'm not sorry for the sex. But it's it was just very weird because... I don't think we need to go because. <laughs> I think it was just very weird... I think I can sort of gather all the ways that it was weird. The weirdness is sort of evident, but go on. It was. It was just. It was just sort of it's all weird. weird. Because, well, yeah. the whole thing was weird because no one ever referenced that in the movies, which maybe even the Sex and the City people don't think it can, and I don't know. In the movie, Steve cheated on her, and she was brutal about it, and no one's ever said to her. But when Steve cheated on you, even though he did it once, was immediately confessional and very contrite. You've carried on an affair for three months and have never expressed any confliction about it. You're just like, you just told him and were jubilant immediately. Um, and you only told him when Che t- forced your your hand. So it's right, all okay. been strange. Miranda seems like a different person to me. So let's get to this week's episode. Mm. Um, opening scene, the podcast. Um I find this podcast very strange because it has callers. That isn't a podcast, that's internet radio. Well, I was just about to say, from what I can glean of this TV show, Carrie Bradshaw is a uh, millennial Frasier. That's what seems to be happening. Yes, yes. It's, she's calling it, people are calling in. Uh, she, you know, also my favourite, I mean, I'm skipping ahead, but my favourite thing is like, she's been on this journey. She's got comfortable with podcasting. Che's leaving town, so she gets given her own podcast. And the happy ending is somebody calls in in floods of tears and Carrie just goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. That's the. That's like we're supposed to be like. Wow, our girls come good. It's like no, she sucks at this. Yeah. She's quite bad at this. I, I'm. Ha- I'm happy she's filling her time in between hip replacements. But like, what, what are we up to? They need oh. someone more qualified. Oh, it's so true. And she's back to Sex and the City, which is a strange. I actually love that a podcast is called Sex and the City, but it it is a little strange. That when she did her column, she did have lots of answers and lots of explorations. And now she's just like, I don't know, but with love, anything's possible. And then Paula goes, thank you so much. That's really helped. And I'm like, how and why? Yeah, Um, absolutely. And then she says to the producer, I'm not very good at this. And he says, you'll get better. And I'm like, you better get better fast. (laughs) But but also, what's the podcast with callers? Podcasts can't have callers. That's internet radio. That maybe yeah. I guess you can you can put on and listen again. That's not a podcast. What they're thinking of, Michael Patrick King doesn't know what a podcast is. He doesn't listen to podcasts. But what they're thinking of is a podcast like Sarah, Sarah Silverman's where she gets voice notes, which a lot of people do now, voice notes sure. and emails. They play the voice mm. note and then they respond to that. But no one has callers because it would be so complicated. Because that's not a podcast. It's not. That's just you, not a podcast. You know the tech faff that we have to do to both get on this. You'd have to do that with mm. every caller. And they wouldn't mm. have their headphones. It would go so wrong. And you'd, they'd have to be scheduled in 
for a time mm. when you were recording. It would just not be possible. So this well, is... it's interesting. It's interesting that you say Mark Patrick King doesn't know what podcasts are because that is such a strong theme, isn't it? Having only seen three episodes of this this new version of the show, uh, I have so there are so many weird. What a choice it is to make Carrie's main job something that you, the creator, just are not familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> just don't understand. But, but if because you like, there's, do that, there's, there's a line to in the podcasts. Well, that's what I mean. But there's a line in the first episode where, like, again, I feel like they're sort of flailing around trying to place the women in age. Like, what do you know what I mean? Because they're like sort of carrying on the same way they used to do. But then there's these really clunky bits of like. By the way, we're a million years old now, and like, and and none, like none of it seems very naturalistic. And there's a line in like the the first episode where Miranda like Carrie's like, oh, you know, you've never listened to the podcast, and Miranda's like, listen, I draw the line at podcasts. Like podcasts is this newfangled technology. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like people listen to no. I'm but sorry, I call bullshit. Like. Miranda listens to This American Life every week. Of like the character does. of Miranda, like like she's into podcasts. Yeah. Why, she why would te- she be? What a strange thing to be like. I draw the line at podcasts. Like draw what line? What are we saying? Like podcasts are like two newfangled foreign technology that having been around all the fucking twenty years. <laughs> but also. Uh, Miranda was always the technological one. She was the one that had a palm pilot was trying to show everyone. She was the one who who carry up the wedding was like, I can't use your iPhone. She was a law. She's a corporate lawyer. It's oh yeah, so no, not these days. She carries you know ten books around because she's anti Kindle. Like, I what mean, is it's this? Just not who, who is she this? Was. Carrie, I would believe, would be like, I don't like yeah. Kindles. Carrie liked pages. Carrie resisted getting a mobile phone. Has she yeah, had a rotary fully, phone? Fully. Carrie, I would believe, but Miranda, no, that's not possible. And she would have definitely been into Serial, all those early, really yes. big podcasts. And she would have feminist podcasts she'd listen to. If she's that into, into intersectional feminism that she's left her corporate law job to become a human rights lawyer, you better believe she listens to podcasts. It's impossible. Oh, yeah. that otherwise, how is she, where's she got all these influences from? So no, no, she draws the line at podcasts. It's yeah. such a strange thing. But then also podcasts don't do breakfast radio buttons that make, like, this is like Michael Patrick's King memory of 80s breakfast radio where, you know, it was Taylor and the boy. And, whoa, 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 wow. and so that's what the woke button is. Woke alert button. Yeah. Like, you Hi, literally... my name is Stereo Mike. <laughs> do, do, Old school. Cow bunga. Once in um, Family Guy. The baby character, Stewie, Stewie. And, the, and the dog got their own breakfast radio show uh, that was called Dingo and the Baby. And, <laughs> and it was only made up of those sounds. So it was, well, just, yeah. it was just them pushing those buttons, those breakfast radio <laughs> buttons. The whole thing was made up of those. And it reminded me a bit of that. It's like a parody yeah. of what a man like Michael Patrick King who draw, who does draw the line at podcasts clearly? Clearly, I think he draws the line several hundred meters before podcasts. From what I can glean, it's like I listened to eighties breakfast radio for a year. I didn't like it. I imagine it's that. Uh, yeah, let's, let's play that out. And nobody said to him, "Hey, um, Michael, that's nothing like a podcast." And and it's just mm. it's also the sort of the kind of scripted way it's interacted. They actually probably should have let them ad-lib a little bit in that because their podcast yes. has to sound ad-libbed 
people have to talk yeah. over each other. People have to do this. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not these like crisp sound bites. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I I find the um, guy who's on the podcast... With Carrie Jackie. and Che. Jackie, yeah. This is going to sound quite problematic, so don't, by all means do cut it out. But yeah. I, I, watching the whole thing, I'm probably repeating what maybe other people have said before, but it, it really does feel as though they have sort of listened to the criticisms of how, you know, white and, uh, like, straight-laced and quite heteronormative and very non-diverse... The original series was and it but in trying to correct that to me yeah it really does feel like Carrie Miranda and Charlotte are like normal people and all of these other people are just like mad aliens <laughs> trying to make genderqueer <laughs> they mitzvahs happen that they don't even want and then like I don't know, like, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, it's just I like, do. look, you don't, like, not everybody has to be like an actual, not every, like, diverse character has to just be like a walking, ad, like, advert for their own fucking, like, audition for the role. Like, every, not everyone is, like, carrying their own fucking character profile around, which is like, I don't know, like, it, I just felt like there was a few sort of um, very, like, conspicuous references in this episode to like Jackie was like I meant to invite you to this party which we now find out later is his wedding but like my executive function I don't know it just it just sort yeah, of feels a yeah, bit yeah. like they're I just knew, trying to they're just I'm trying just to like stamp in. the bingo card you know yeah I'm, drop, I'm dropping in that I'm neurodiverse as we walk down yeah, the street yeah uh, because yeah. I need to tick another box quickly because somebody said we haven't covered neurodiverse people um I am mm. and let's keep walking and yeah, it's there are too many new characters because they none of them really get an arc. No, and the characters that are there have to carry a number of intersectional boxes and juggle those mm. boxes. And I want to see the thing is, I want to see Rock be more than non-binary. I would love it if Rock were non-binary and going through something at school that wasn't about non-binariness. Well, exactly. That's sort of what, yeah, that's what I was going to say is, is that... Um, I understand they're wanting to deal with it. It's something we haven't seen a lot of on screen. I do think it's interesting to see someone as femme as Charlotte deal with her daughter being non-binary. But once we've dealt with that, can Rock yeah. be going about something, doing something, going through something beyond non-binariness? And yeah. I feel like each of those characters, LTW, is there to filter blackness to Charlotte and there's a, yeah. Anyway, um, let's, let's talk about this episode. Mm. Uh, I found the opening podcast. Oh, they're all talking about their worst breakup. I got broken up with 
on FaceTime. And then I can't, I can't remember what Jackie says. I got broken up with. A girl got COVID to break up oh, with that's me, right. I think is his. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'll just take that again. Uh, so that it's not so messy and sounds more like their podcast. Dingo and the baby. Um, <laughs> um, Boing. <laughs> 8 a.m. Wakey, wakey. Um, uh, okay. So, um, so Jackie says, oh, a girl got COVID to break up with me, which I don't know how long ago that was because he's marrying someone else now. That's is it, I was just going to say, yeah. I mean, like, quite COVID's quick. only been around two years. Is, who's this broad he's marrying? Have they just got together? <laughs> I mean, listen, people get married fast at times. I um, guess. Then I got broken up with on FaceTime. Um, and then Carrie, we were all shouting at the screen, we know the story she's going to tell. What was her worst breakup? Did we, we shut it? It was the post it note. I got broken up with a I'm sorry. I can't. Don't hate me. Yeah. Oh, I was so excited. I was like, oh, a bit of nostalgia. Yeah. But instead, she says the only thing she said the whole series, which is Big died. I was like, I can't. Yeah. Oh, my God. I need more mm. than this grief. And I'm like, I, of course, in real life, if you're grieving, it's all you can think about and all you can talk about. But I really needed the writers to cut to a point where we could see Carrie have some joy. and. Really, they cut to it in the last frame of the last episode. And I'm like, oh, now mm. we've got to wait for season two. Should we get a season two to see her date, have joy, have sex for the first time with someone beyond her marriage? I was like, oh, oh, please let her reminisce about that poster because that would have been glorious to see because that's what we were all shouting at the screen. I can't believe any Sex in the City watcher wasn't shouting, broken up with on a poster. Anyway, so I felt that well, was... Well, I think... As we said about Miranda and the Kindle and the books and the podcast thing, um, so did you watch um, Generation Q, the L Word reboot? No. So uh, there's a there's a um, auto shadow do a recap podcast of of that, in which uh, they have opined, <laughs> uh, with I think good evidence to do so that the writers of the reboot never watched the original show. And I think that's, if it wasn't, if it wasn't Michael Patrick King, I would say like, do any of these people, have any of these people ever heard of Sex and the City? City. Have they ever just had a little, have they ever had a little look at a show called Sex and the City? Because Miranda's a totally different person. And yes, Carrie has the biggest, like, you know, it's it's a great story. Like decades later, people are still referencing Broke Up With on a Post-it. And that's a great story and a charming story to bring to a podcast. And sort mm. of like in my day, there was no FaceTime, you know, that kind of when I was out there sort of, you know, doing all of this stuff and I got broken up with a poster. It's a great, it's a sort of, here's this yeah. naughty reference. It would have been so cute. And the, the listeners mm. already know that a husband died. You cannot be bringing that sadness every week to a podcast. You have to bring in your life experience. And I just didn't buy it. I don't mind her saying broken up with a poster, everyone, ah, but actually I'll have to say my recent breakup was worse. That's sure. Then that's a funny capper, um, yeah. you know, that's sort of like, you know, listen, until you've been broken up with by death, you don't know. Mm. I thought I thought I'd had the worst breakup. Turns out I hadn't. Then that's a funny capper. But it just felt just this unrelenting sadness again. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if we are blessed slash cursed with a season two, I don't mm. know which it is. I feel like I'm in now. I'm in. And I mm. do want to see what I've been promised. So I kind of do want a season two. But sure. also I'm like, please, can we have some of this snappy dialogue back? Of the Sexicity was all about the wit and the dialogue. And like mm. dialogue, like even though the show's ending, Che's leaving, so the, sh- the podcast is being wound up. And Carrie says, can I still come back here for the free Pringles? 
Like anyone believes that Carrie Bradshaw eats Pringles. And yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, she doesn't. Just, she's not a Pringles. She's that's just, just a very lame. No, I don't want to be like unduly unkind, but that there's just a lot of jokes in it that just don't land for me. That's just not that. That's like back of a fag packet writing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, can I like, still come here for the free Pringles? It's like we've never seen her eat like, Pringles okay. ever. What's can and also is that what she space? would say? She was like, she's so witty. Like she, she have something so better witty. to come up with than that. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I just found that kind of thing very flat. Then she goes out for lunch with the brother of her late husband, mm. who we have never seen before or I believe heard of before. He's just... Before this episode? Yeah, as far as I know... Oh, he's, he's at the funeral. He turns up he? at Big's funeral, yeah, yeah. He's but I remember thinking Big had a brother because I don't think he was ever referenced before that. Well, also, Big had um, a, a, a long-lasting EA, like a PA who yeah. was so mourning at the funeral and sort of centred herself at the funeral. We'd never mm. seen her before. I thought right. have I, I thought her? I was going mad because I was like, I don't remember this woman <laughs> at all. I thought like she, she was presented like someone we knew and loved. And then I thought, yeah. really? She's going to be in this season and look, we just have to sort of mentally go, well, we just never saw this side of Big's life. Never been seen again, post the will Sure. Meeting. Wow. She, but she was so centred at the funeral that I thought, I thought either I've forgotten her and I thought, I know I haven't, but maybe there was one episode that I just somehow missed. Or I've never watched a second time. I said, no, she doesn't exist. No, at I, all. And, and she was there for the will reading and we've just never seen from her. It was such a strange decision. And so John's brother, Big's brother, mm. comes back and it's very strange. He says, where's John? Mm. <laughs> and she says, he died. Mm. Yes, no, no. I mean, where are his remains? Well, that's not what you'd say. You don't say to a no. grieving wife. So, where's your husband? <laughs> yeah. So you'd say. I have to have say, you thought about what we might do with Big's with John's ashes. Yeah, I will say it's a TV trope I hate. I fortunately, at this point in my life, I have never been in possession of anybody's ashes yet, but. Do people in real life refer to the ashes by the name of the person who has died? Because it's a TV trope that I hate. They they do do it. it I see it in all kinds of shows. It's like, wow, what are we going to do with Paul? Like, it, we, it's it's really been it's two months. We must we must do something about Paul. We've got to find a place to put Paul. I just don't think it's it's not. I I don't think it's. I haven't heard people do it in real life. No. I'm sure there will be exceptions to the rules. So do uh, email me if I've got that wrong. Don't really. I'm sorry if you lost. <laughs> in my in my experience, that sounded so sincere. <laughs> Grace Petrie is not sorry for your loss. I think I that's just don't cute. think people would. I don't think you call the ashes by the name. I think you might say, "What are we going to do with Paul's ashes?" I don't know why I've made this. No, in my I experience, you say the name of the loved one. In my family, certainly, you'd say, um, "Are we scattering Grandma's ashes?" Sure, we wouldn't say. Sure, are we going to drop Grandma in the park? Yeah, yeah. Where's Grandma? Where's Grandma at the moment? You know, she's on the shelf in Deb's closet, apparently, you know. You you certainly wouldn't say that to the grieving wife. It's so jarring. No. And then he offers yeah. some kind of family plot. And then how did you feel about, that was so strange, how did you feel about the flashing lamp uh, that she was communicating with Big through a lamp? 
I mean, it was no trippier than anything else that happened in this show. But yeah, I am, I was at various points, I was like, what is happening? Like there was one of the points was, was the lamp because again, like broadly speaking from my memory, Sex and the City was not a supernatural show. It was based in relatable, attainable, accessible reality. Um, but this is just a fact. And it was never, first I thought it was gonna be, so she got the lamp fixed. And I thought it was gonna be like, you know, she comes to terms with the fact that she was seeing what she wanted to see. It's, it helps her bring this resolution. She, you know, has the dream about Paris, but it wasn't that because then after the lamp was fixed, it's still supposed to be big and we're supposed to just, it's like the show is offering that up as like, that's, that's fact. It, yeah. It's which all, is a very a mad, mad decision. It's a, well, I it's think a, it's a possibility, but it's what we're supposed to, it's what we're supposed to take from it, I think, isn't it? Because even after the lamp was fixed and the wire is replaced, like, yeah, like Carrie and the writers are like looking down the barrel and being like, this is, this is the conclusion, right? It is big, yeah. which is uh, a choice, you know? It's a polter A mad choice. It's it's a polter big, and it isn't, as you say, a supernatural show. The only thing, because on this show, I like to find echoes and shadows and callbacks from the original series. And mm. uh, a lot of the listeners, um, upward of upward of twelve listeners, have said that they've enjoyed that, and that's what they look forward to. The only thing I can equate this to is when Miranda thinks she has a ghost because she can hear someone upstairs, and the janitor lets her in, and there's no one up there. And she gets, she's scared of her own death and starts having panic attacks and overfeeds her cat because mm. the story is that the last woman who lived in that flat died and, and the cat ate her face. And so sure. this became a thing about single women. It was all about, it was all about Miranda buying a flat as a single woman and check the single woman box. And so that's the only thing I can equate it to. I can't remember any other, any other supernatural implications or anything. But in this, Miranda becomes a little bit more Mirandery for once in the cafe where she goes, come on, we don't believe in the afterlife. Aren't we on the same page? But it's at a time which is a little bit uh, strangely tactless for the new, more compassionate Miranda 2.0 because actually yeah, if it's your bad. friend's partner has died and they go, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I maybe think differently now of Big's died. I, I don't know. I don't know what's yeah. going on. I'm, I'm an undecided. Like, allow don't it. Go, oh, come on. Like, yeah. that's, I don't My, believe it, Miranda, just it, it, it was tactless, but it wasn't as tactless as what I thought she was going to say, which is that Charlotte says, you think Big is communicating from heaven? And Miranda goes, heaven? And like the reveal is that she's like, there's no such thing as heaven. But I really thought she was going to be like, don't we think Big's in hell? <laughs> which like, <laughs> I think Big's in hell. Big did some dreadful things. <laughs> you know? I thought that's Guys where she like was going. That. Like, uh, did you mean heaven? Guys like that always talk their way into heaven, though, don't they? Oh, jeez. You know what well, I mean. You know, like, when do they get, ever get their fall? They know people. Big knows people. Mm. He can get it. He's he can get. He'll be at the VIP suite in heaven for fucking sure. If we know how the world works, why would we think the afterworld would be any different? Um, yeah, I I thought that was very strangely tactless for new Miranda. I think even old Miranda would have been a little bit kinder and saying. Yeah. Look, Carrie, I know it can be comforting, but I feel like maybe this is a manifestation of guilt that's holding you back from living your life. And I think you need to work past it. So then she has the dream, which I think they were going to shoot a flashback of Chris North in that dream sequence on the bridge. But instead, they just had his voice because they didn't want to bring him back. 
because... Was that after all the stuff? Yeah, because they didn't want to bring oh, back wow, up to the interesting. start. So the original episode one was hmm. filmed before women came out and uh, with their testimonials sure. about Chris North. They were going to do a flashback scene with him or a dream sequence with him. And then they decided against it for obvious reasons. So we just heard his voice on the bridge, um, which might have been old footage that they reused. Um, And then she went and she scattered the ashes in an implausible ball gown. Now, what I was thinking, and I understand it's Sex and the City and it's escapism and it's couture and it's fun, but I was just imagining her, presumably staying at the George Sank Hotel or somewhere like that, very fancy in Paris, getting dressed, getting her hair done by a professional, because that was a professional updo, and... I know this because Sarah Jessica Parker has said on Sex and the City, she always said the women have got to be able to do their hair the way they could do it. She said she never wanted her hair to look done unless she was going to an event. She said if it was a red carpet thing, yeah, I would go and get my hair done. Uh, So she didn't mind if it was for a special occasion. But day to day, just them brunching in New York and things, she said, I always said it's got to look like I could do it myself. So I know that she had an updo done in Paris. She went to a fancy salon. She carted that in a suitcase, like a massive suitcase, that ball gown. She dressed herself up. She put her makeup on. She walked to a bridge. She scattered the ashes off. She sent No, no, you missed something out. You missed something out. She transferred the ashes into an Eiffel Tower-shaped clutch bag. (laughs) Because that's what you do, man, when you're bereaved. What? That was the most unhinged thing I've ever, ever, <laughs> ever seen, right? Femme fashion, I agree, it's not my strong point, <sighs> but an Eiffel Tower concertinaing out to reveal the ashes of Big. I was done. I was like, I what is happening? I actually laughed out loud when I saw her in that orange ball gown with the, with the Eiffel Tower box. I yeah. was like... Because that Eiffel Tower de Monte box, now I'm sure it is some fancy designer, but it at least is parodying the kind of thing you might see in a Montmartre, like really tacky souvenir shop. Like it's it's the kind of thing that somebody's mum buys their teenage daughter. It's like, mm. it's the Eiffel Tower, honey. You know, it's like, yeah. it's tacky, really tacky. So presumably it is some ridiculous designer. It, like maybe an, an on your hindmarsh or something like that, but it's parodying yeah, that. It's parodying a souvenir. Um, mm. I mean, I know you're a Six of the City fan. You will know your labels. Um, <laughs> but it's, I'm looking at it just going, in what world? Like now she walks down to the bridge. She scatters the ashes. She sends Samantha a text. And then what does she do? You can't go out. Where are you going to go in that? You look like you're going to the Met Gala. So mm. presumably you have to just go back to the hotel, take it off and go to bed. It's just. Well, everyth- everything about that scene. Everything about that scene was so mad, but not least because, like, I mean, I just watched it before we started recording, but the editing is so mad. Like, we go from the Dave Mitzvah to, like, there's no time, there's no Carrie goes to the airport, there's no Carrie gets off the plane, there's no Carrie checks into the hotel, there's no Carrie gets her ball gun out. There's no, it's literally just, like, we, we one don't minute, know she's in Paris. one second she's in New York, and the next second... She is wearing the strangest gloves I've ever seen with that dress as well. And she's just wandering down the bridge and it's like, oh, wow, okay. So she, so she, that's it. I guess we went. And the whole, the editing of the entire last, like, five minutes 
is so is so mad. It's like bang, 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 bang. Um, and so then, you know, strange. before before you know it, we're just like kissing the producer in the elevator, which I have some things to say about, by the way. Okay, uh, great, great, great. Well, All right. so, okay, Get, sorry, yeah, am I skipping yeah, ahead? No, 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 I think we've we've covered it. It would upstage your private moment so much because people would be staring at you. Everyone would be walking down the street in jeans and a T-shirt or, you know, your average night out clothes. And they people would absolutely stare at you if you were doing that. Like it would bring you so much unwanted attention at that moment. I know mm. it's Sex and City, but it's like a parody of itself. It's like a French mm. Saunders sketch of Sex It and is. City. That's that was it. That was it, I think. That's the problem. Like that that's like jarring mad cut to suddenly she's on the bridge in Paris and she looks like that and she's got the Eiffel Tower bag full of ashes. Sorry, yeah, full it, of John. Uh that that was like uh what it, it, it was. That was it what it did, did feel like a comedian's take on Sex yeah. and the City. Um, I can just imagine Dawn French doing it. This episode with Grace Petrie is a two-parter because we went on that long. So see you soon for part two. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist, Watchers and Just Like That with me, Deborah Francis-White and my very special guest, Grace Petrie. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. The Guilty Feminist is part of the Acast Creator Network and Just Like That is on HBO Max in the United States and Sky Comedy and now in the UK. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details mom deserves better than a drugstore card this mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. add your favorite photos a heartfelt message and we'll even mail it for you the same day all for just five dollars from mom to grandma we have something to celebrate every mom in your life every mom deserves a Moonpig card Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.